Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 79 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is August 19th. 2009. We've got a really good show for you this week on the podcast. We'll be talking all about fall camp. We've got a lot of recruiting questions to get to. And if you don't know, the Peristyle Podcast is our weekly internet radio show talking all about the USC Trojans. If you have any questions for us, comments, anything like that, always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. We really try to get to all of your questions each and every week. And uh, hopefully we do a good job doing that for you. In our first segment, as always, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde, joining us. Coach, what's going on? Well, buddy, it's time to tape your ankles and form that huddle as we get closer and closer to this 2009 football season. And I've had a chance to uh, go down and see the Trojans in their fall camp. I'm going down again today, I hope. Watch them again. And, of course, their big scrimmage on the 29th in the Coliseum. I hope to see them there. And then uh, the next weekend, we've got a football game. So I'm looking forward to everything uh, now. This is the best time of the year. They're in a the better time of the year than uh, college football time. I agree with you 100%, Coach. I can't believe how close it's getting. September 5th cannot get here soon enough. And I just wanted to thank our segment for the first segment. I mean, thank our sponsor for the first segment of the podcast. Excuse me, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website. 1-800-888-7287 is the phone number if you need tickets for concerts, sporting events, the theater. Of course, give SCTickets.com. They're nice enough to sponsor us and allowing us to have Coach Harvey Hyde on the show. And Coach, last week, we had a question from uh, one of your favorites, Terry, and wanted to know, he wanted to break down each position of going through camp. And uh, we, we, we kind of went a little over. We only got to talk about the defensive alignment last week. So I figured we could finish up the rest of the defense, the linebackers and defensive backs. That sound okay? Sounds great to me. All right. Well, uh, I guess let's look at the linebackers first off. I mean, just, just at a glance, uh, you know, Ken Norton has talked a lot about not having the same kind of size that he had before, but there's a lot of speed there. Guys like Michael Morgan, uh, um, Malcolm Smith, Chris Gallipo, smart, heady player. So I think he feels comfortable with this first line that they're going to put out there. I think depth is a little bit of a concern, but I think overall the feeling is this is a speedier group of linebackers, maybe not as big and physically as imposing as the guys they've had in the past. But maybe we kind of go through the positions, Coach, and, and kind of get your thoughts on all of them. Yeah, you know, Obviously, there is, there's some freshmen in the mix that uh, you know that I think they can definitely have a big role this year, especially later on in the year. But depth, I think, probably the number one concern here. I would agree with you uh, on that, Ryan. I'd say, first of all, last week we talked about the defensive line, and I think that's going to be one of the strengths of the defense uh, to allow the linebackers to uh, come along and mature as the season goes along. I think the defensive front is going to be very strong and dominant, as I said last week, and I think that is going to apply a lot of pressure to the offensive line and the offensive of other teams' offensive parts of other teams to allow the Trojans to use their linebacker speed to uh, uh, pursue, make tackles, wrap up, maybe not make the giant big hits as Malaluga made a year ago in Cushing and so on. They won't be as physical, but I think the linebackers, and, and you know, this might sound stupid, but I think they run better and they probably can pursue better than the larger linebackers they had last year. They're young, they're inexperienced, but they did play a lot last year. They all come from winning programs. They have a heck of a coach in Ken Norton. He motivates the backers to play really above their ability, uh, and I think that's what a coach's job is to do, to, to build pride and spirit and and confidence in his group. And I would say that with Ken Norton's group and overall coaching of his ability, you know, he still wears cleats out there when he coaches. So, you know, he's ready to step in and show you how to do it in, in, in case you forget. I think at the middle linebacker spot, I think Chris Gallipo will be an adequate, great player. 
He's going to turn into an all Pac-10 player in a year. Uh, he's down a little bit in his weight than he was a year ago. They have him listed as 250, but I would guess he's playing right now about 230, 235. You always lose weight in camp anyway. I think he's a little quicker in there. He's a smart player. He doesn't uh, make a lot of mistakes. He's going to get some interceptions this year. Uh, he can cover the pass well. So I think he's a complete middle linebacker. I like the way he plays there. I think he's going to be a great player. Michael Morgan, tall kid, good height, not very heavy, but can really run well. Comes from a great football program. It comes from Texas where they do play great football. I think he's going to be a fine football player at the strong linebacker side, especially playing behind Armin Armstead, who's going to be a giant, okay? I think that that that, those, that side of the line, I'll tell you, wow, I, I, I'd look at the other way to go, believe me. <laughs> but, when you look, but when you look at the other way to go, you, you got a pretty good-looking uh, size over there with Griffin, and, and then you got Malcolm Smith on the weak side. And I, I don't like the term weak side linebacker. You know, you can give it another name, but uh, speed linebacker or something. Malcolm is 225 pounds, obviously, Big enough to play, runs really. Probably is, I'm going to guess, the fastest linebacker out there. I'm just going to make this point. I, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I don't have the times, but I would say probably the quickest and fastest linebacker on the field as far as the starting three. He'll be able to pursue well. He'll be able to get up the field well. He'll be able to blitz well. Not that Morgan and Glippo can't do that, but I think he's the quickest of the group. I, one kid I really like out there on the weak linebacker side is Jordan Campbell. The reason I like him, a lot of people probably don't, don't even know who he is. He's jersey number 37. He's a very physical player. If you're going to play a team, let's say you play a team that runs ISO, wants to run some ISO at you like Ohio State. They're going to want to line up and pound you and run their fullback at your linebackers, take you on. Well, you know. Smith is not that physical. I mean, his, his speed is there. It's going to be difficult for him to step in there and plug a hole. But Jordan Campbell uh, loves to loves to do that. He's called a helmet smasher or face mask smasher. I mean, he every time you see him make a play, there's a hit to it, a sound to it. He's a very physical kid. He's not a huge kid. He's about 5'11", 230 pounds, 225 pounds. But he's a very physical player, and he's a type of player that if they decide to run at Malcolm Smith or decide to run at a linebacker, Campbell's the type of guy that can step in there and really smack you down. Now, what they've done on the weak side, too, is they've moved Shane Horton there because of lack of depth when, depth when uh, Frankie Telford got uh, you know his heart problems and, and isn't going to be able to play. They moved Horton there, who who's very similar to Malcolm Smith, not a big kid, but a tough kid, a transfer from UNLV. His brother's Wes Horton. And, you know, he was about a third clubber as far as in the safety position, and they have an abundance of secondary. So they move Horton up there to take that position and give them some depth. He's, he's depth. He's the same type of player as Malcolm. Not quite as he's experienced. He hasn't played there, but he's played in a safety position. He can cover. And, you know, if something happens there, he'll be a good player. So, I would say right there with those three, you have the type of players that compensate each other. Uh, a linebacker that can take on somebody that wants to run at them, and real speed linebackers in Smith and Horton. Now in the middle, Gallipo, it, it can do both. I mean, he's a very physical kid. He's a good cover. He'll be a much better pass cover than Ray Malaluga. Mal Malaluga was a run guy, ran on rails, wanted to pound you, very physical, was a leader. Uh, Gallipo is going to be a great, great middle man technician. Now, the linebacker that plays behind him, pronounce his name for me so I don't... Uh, Juana uh, Cavienga. Say it again. Juana Cavienga. Uh, that's one that I need to work on, okay? okay? <laughs> he's, number, he's number 35. He's a very physical player. Uh, I think he's a, a good backup to Gallipo. Uh, he isn't in Gallipo's category right now as far as a player, but I think he's adequate as far as being able to be a backup and be there uh, if, if something happens to Gallipo. I think there's really in the middle some concern as far as 
exactly uh, what would they do if Gallipo went down. And when you talk about depth, that, that is one problem, I think, that you've got there, the depth problem at the middle linebacker. I'm not quite sure if they're still playing. Uh, I think they moved Jarvis Jones outside, haven't they? He's not still playing in the middle, is he? Well, they've uh, Jarvis Jones kind of started off in the middle, and then they've moved him around a little bit, just playing. He's, I think he's played a little strong side, a little weak side, and, and yeah. middle all together. Uh, I mean, the thing right. with him, he's been banged up a little bit, but he's a guy that you know they might need to not, you know, normally you might want to redshirt him, but with the depth like you talked about, and, and especially with a guy like Luther Brown, questionable, like Luther Brown would be a great guy to come in with depth, but, you know, he's not practicing right now. It doesn't look like, I mean, I don't know, it could, he could come in, but if there's an academic issue and stuff, so we'll have to right. see. But without him, you might you, they might need Jarvis Jones to kind of step into that role quicker than they wanted to. Right, and and I didn't want to talk without knowing what I was uh, saying because when I was out there last Wednesday watching practice, uh, Jarvis had headaches and didn't practice, so I didn't know where they were lining him up. So maybe today I'll be able to give more of a comment on him next week. So you know, you got Marcus Sims at Simmons too could play in the middle. I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with him. Do with him? I'd like to see him Richard too. So I'd say right there, if there's is if there's a spot where they lack, lack some depth. I would say it's in the middle, but I'll tell you what, they got a couple of guys that they never move over there, but if ever they decided to move over Sam Bradford or Mark Tyler, but they're having a great spring as far as fall and run at running back, boy, those guys could really be great players on, on defense. They're really physical. I can't believe how big Mark Tyler is this year. My gosh, I stood next to him at practice and can't believe how physical he is now. He could be, He's going to be a great player, and I know that if something happened to Glip, I don't, I don't think he'd ever go over there. I mean, because he wouldn't want to, but wow, I can just imagine him playing that position. Luther Brown's got to get his academics together. It's time that Luther pays the bills. You know, I, 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 It's time that he steps up and the cash register rings. You know, he's been at USC now for three years, and it's time for him to get out. He's been hurt or some problems all the time. They, they need him. They need to get him on the field. They need to get him playing, and he's got to get out there. They, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen, but he's got to get out there to back up either Michael Morgan or, or be able to play in the middle. He can play both. And Nick Garrett, good technician, uh, could play the middle if they had to. Uh, so he's a senior with experience. Uh, more of a technician type of guy, not a real physical type of guy. Uh, so uh, he could play linebacker, but not really experience necessary. Kevin Green is going to be an outstanding player. He's a freshman too. But if there's if there's at, if there's a position on the field, offensively or defensively, that has less experience and less less depth and 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 all of the above. It's the linebackers at USC. But they play between the best secondary in America and a defensive line who's going to be dominant, I believe, this season as the season gets going. So they're going to be playing in between two great units. So, uh, and a lot of, you know, the defensive line at USC and all the preseason publications, you didn't hear a lot of raves about it because that's because those people really didn't know. But when you watch Lonnie out there, no one still blocked him, okay? <laughs> and no one still blocked him, and they're still trying to block him. It's funny how quickly they've accepted him as a transfer, J.C. transfer, how he's come in. and He's one of the boys now, isn't he? Certainly, yeah. He, he's one of the boys. So that's where I look at the linebackers, and, and that's the best way to break it down. Uh, I think if there's one position that needs a little growing, and experience at the linebackers. All right. Well, uh, you mentioned the best secondary in the country, and you're not going to get a lot of arguments against you on that one. Let's look at the defensive backs real quick. I mean, there's, like you talked about, a strong group of safeties. That's why it wasn't bad for Shane Horton to move down and uh, play linebacker. I mean, you got three guys, Pinkard, uh, Will Harris, and Taylor Mays, that all, you know, I mean, all potential All-American all type of candidates. So, um, and then, you know, a lot of experience on the cornerbacks, having Sharice Wright come back. Sharice and Kevin Thomas, it seems like a really formidable one-two punch out there at corner. I guess get your overall thoughts on the second. I mean, I know you love them, but, you know, because you've said they're the best secondary in the country, but get kind of break down a little bit what these guys are doing. 
Well, we got to start with the safeties, uh, Taylor Mays, like you mentioned, Josh Pinkert, Will Harris, and let's don't forget a guy named Drew McAllister. I really like him. He played last year, and I think he had more interceptions than Taylor Mays did last year. Yeah, I think he had three picks. He like tied for the lead on the team. That's right, and he probably played one-third of the time <laughs> or less than that. Exactly. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a nose for the ball. He's a very aggressive player. Six one, about 195 pounds, not as big as the others. Uh, and as a sophomore, uh, really, he played like a, a senior last year. Got a chance to play, and you know what happened? They, they he proved himself, and now they got a player. I wouldn't feel bad at all to see him in the game. And I'll tell you, uh, you watch this kid play. He, he'll get an interception. He's all over the field. He's number 19, and uh, you got Taylor Mage. You got McAllister. Uh, you've got, uh, as you mentioned, Josh Pickard. And, and, you know, these guys right now could be playing in the NFL. They they could be playing in the NFL. I really believe that. And, you know, don't forget, Marshall Jones is a heck of a player. Marshall Jones is a great player. And and another great player, I, I really like it, is, uh, 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 let me think what his name is, uh, Starling's been doing a good job. So, you know, you've got some players, and not to mention the freshmen that are out there trying to make the team and so on. you got some players, and you, a lot of depth and, and so on in the secondary at USC. They're your corners. Corners are excellent. you got Wright. I mean, this kid can play. He's one of the top coverers, covers in the country as far as he loves to play man. He's got the attitude to play man. Bryant's got the attitude to play man. You know, you got to have an attitude to play man defense. you got to be able to say, you know, come on, guy. You, you know, let's do it. Let's have some fun. I want to cover you. And you got to be able to come off and make the plays and so on against the run and hit people. And right every game that I've seen right play. Now, correct me, maybe you haven't been at the same games I've been at. But he has put a hit on somebody. I mean, he has tried to knock them out. Now, sometimes he knocks himself out. But he's the type of kid that really is an aggressive corner and really likes to play the game. So I like Wright. I like Brant, Brant, uh, Bryant from Florida. Kevin Thomas is as good as there is. He's a senior. You got Marshall Jones. You got, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of them all. Uh, uh, others out there that can really, really play, but you've got a lot of freshmen, Brian Moore, Patrick Hall, when he gets eligible, I hope that will be soon. He's going to be a great player. Uh, T.J. McDonald should be a great player. So, you know, there's a lot of players out there that can play. And, um, and, and I think that that secondary, along with the front that's playing, and the linebackers will be a very, very, a good defensive unit uh, for USC. And they'll get a nice test against San Jose State because they're wide open, throwing the ball all over the place. They'll spread the field on on USC and try to, you know, balance things out. Why teams spread the field is they don't want to get in the smash mouth because they can't smash mouth you. So they spread the field and try to create mismatches and zones and hit the quick pass and, and try to find ways to beat you. Now, Ohio State will be the real test back there in Columbus because they'll do it all. They'll line up and they're going to say, let's see how tough those linebackers really are, and they're going to run right at you. Then they're going to spread the field and let Pryor do his thing. Then they're going to try to throw the ball, too, to do some of the receivers. They have really skilled receivers, and that's where the defensive line is really going to have to make a difference against Ohio State. That's where it's going to happen. The key to that game is stopping Ohio State with the front. And we're going to have to see if that can happen. All right. And I just want to give a little walk-on love, Coach. I mean, you mentioned some of the, the true freshmen out there. Uh, some of the guys have been banged up a little bit. T.J. McDonald's been slowed by injuries. But, uh, you know, Starling's been great. Um, uh, Torrin Harris has been really good, uh, you know, playing out there, playing cornerback and stuff. Um, and Byron Moore has been really instinctual. He's been a great player out there from Narbonne High School. I mean, he's a bigger quarter, the kind of guy they like. But I wanted to give a little walk on love. Robert Erickson, number 38 on your program. Check him out. He had a really good spring. He would make a bunch of plays, like when the scrimmages and stuff would come up. And they had a scrimmage uh, Monday night at the Coliseum. He made like five or six plays, it seemed like. He was just all over the place. So it's it's funny when you kind of see some of those guys, like number 38, and you see everyone looking at their roster. Who is that? He's keep making plays. So 
to me, Coach, there's a lot more depth here in the secondary than than USC's had in the past. And for whatever reason, they've had good defenses, you know, from the entire Pete Carroll era, pretty much. But the the secondary always seemed to be that area that they didn't have as much depth. And now it's kind of switched off. There's not as much linebacker depth as you talked about, and there's a lot more depth at corner and safety. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, used to be linebacker U, man, Penn State and <laughs> USC. Uh, I agree 100%. You couldn't have a better group of linebackers than you had last year at any one school anywhere in the country. All, all four of those guys are going to make it into the uh, NFL. They all are. I mean, that doesn't ever happen. I mean, it does happen, but it's going to happen. But uh, to try to replace that group, you've got to real, be realistic. You're not. So you've got to depend on other areas to strengthen themselves to compensate for what those guys did. And I think SC can do that. I think their kicking game is going to be better at USC. Now, I'm not talking about Bueller. I'm not, he, he was a great field goal and kickoff guy. I mean, that's hard to duplicate. I mean, he kicked every ball in the end zone almost every time. If the ball didn't go in the end zone, you were saying, what's the deal? I mean, you know, there was no runbacks whatsoever, but this Huffman kid is is starting to mature and come through, and I, I think they will have uh, a, a better kicking game than they did a year ago with Snyder, the coach. I really like what he's doing out there. I really think that he is coaching the heck out of the special teams. I think you're going to have better returns than you've had, and it's been a weakness of USC. You've haven't seen great returns on kickoffs and great returns on punt returns. As you see sometimes at Oklahoma or you see at Miami or you see at some of those places. And I think this year you may see some breakaways with McKnight or Johnson or, or somebody returning a punt. What a great feeling. You break somebody's back when you do those type of things. And, and uh, you know, maybe we had one last year. I think McKnight ran one back or something. But, you know, have two or three of those a year, and I'm telling you, you really break somebody's back. So I think the special teams area is going to be better. I really believe that, too. At two, uh, two kickoff, well, one kickoff return, one punt return at the scrimmage on Monday night. They returned for touchdowns. Ronald Johnson did the kickoff and McKnight the uh, punt return. Pete Carroll was really happy with the way the special teams played and came together. So I'm, I'm really looking for that to be a big boost this year for USC. But. Coach, I guess we got through the defense, so uh, next week on the podcast we can start on the offensive side of the ball and give it the breakdown. We'll get on that side of the ball. We'll take a look at those players, and uh, that's where it's supposed to be the strength of this year's USC team. So we'll talk about that, but not that the defense is down, but I think the defense is in what you're calling a reloading situation. So we sort of reviewed them, and we'll do the offense next week. Awesome. Well, Coach, thanks for your time as always, and uh, – Every time people come up to me at, at, at practice, they're like, oh, I love the podcast. I love listening to you, and I love having Coach on. So they always give you props. So it's good. To, uh, the fans out there like you. Well, thank you very much, and I enjoy them too. And uh, I hope if you want to come up and talk to me, if you see me out there, please feel free to. I look forward to meeting everyone, okay? All right. Thanks, Coach. Thanks to uh, SCTickets.com for sponsoring this segment. We'll be back 30 seconds talking with Dan Weike. Talk a little bit more about fall camp. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weike all about fall camp. USC's about a week and a half or so into fall camp. Dan, what's going on, man? Ryan, it's all I live and breathe, USC football and fall camp right now. I feel like it's taken over my life. It's uh, the busiest time of the year, I think, for the beat writers. I don't think you would disagree with that. I mean, there's two-a-day practices. There's a lot going on, a lot of stuff to write. Just we're keeping you pretty busy. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's starting to blend together a little bit. I feel like, you know, I don't know what day is what. Um, like, I can't tell the difference between competition Tuesday and no turnover Thursday and <laughs> win forever Friday. 
they just tend to run together. So, but the good news is that it's fun. You know, it's it's fun to watch a football team. So I think I've gotten my uh, gotten my head around them a little bit and gotten a, a pretty good idea for for what what people should expect. All right, it's good to have dames uh, days that are named. I think that helps. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think that's a nice thing. Um, I mean, you know, it's uh, like I said. I mean, I know there's competition Tuesday, and no, I think is it turnover turnover Wednesday. Wednesday, No repeat. No repeat Thursday. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of days out there, and it's different now too because it's not the game week preparations. Because then they have the set schedule. Now it's like, you know, you could have days. Saturday could be a no, you know, competition day or whatever, but. Uh, yes, right. Competition Tuesday could come on a Saturday. That's when I like it. That's when it gets nice and confusing. Yeah. But then once the game starts, then it's always, you know, they, they start, they keep on that same schedule. Uh, unless you have a Thursday game, then they mess it up. All right. So <laughs> let's, uh, we got a lot of questions to get to. So let's get to these first. Uh, I'll start off with a real easy one. It's about Reggie Bush. You ready for that? Uh, <laughs> Thanks. I know. Uh, Scott, well, and we could both comment on this. Uh, he loves the podcast and he listens to his, uh, to the podcast on his Metro commute downtown. So cool. Glad, glad you do that. All the people you can, you know, we have it on iTunes. So if you want to download it to your iPod, you can definitely do that if you haven't done it already, but he's frustrated with a lot of Reggie Bush posts, not just on uscfootball.com, but you know, other places on the internet. And he wants to separate this by saying that, I mean, he, he thinks that people should feel it's a different kind of thing than if you have a former player or a player that's family was paid money allegedly by an agent as opposed to some sort of booster paying the, the player. And, you know, in his view, it's, there's really nothing in it for USC when something like that happens. It's really on the players, you know, on the players' hands instead of on the schools. And, you know, he doesn't know how people can expect the school to police every single player's relatives on the team. And he does feel that Reggie Bush should be punished if he did that, but he doesn't know how USC could stop it. And he wonders why, uh, the media seems to ignore that angle. How this is a different kind of, a different class of violation, I guess you could say, as for a booster versus an agent. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Let me let me try my best here to do this without getting um, getting killed um, anytime <laughs> soon. Um, I I disagree a little bit. Um, I do think that it is on the university, especially with its. I mean, we're not talking about. Um, you know, Dan Deckis, his family moving out from Minnesota and getting paid. This is this was Reggie Bush, and, and one of your most high-profile recruits. I do think that it is. I, it wouldn't be that difficult for the university to, to check into his living situation, to check into his family's living situation. I don't feel like that that is that difficult to do. That being said, I mean, I, I do agree to the extent where I mean, it, it isn't like it's the university, you know, or whatever. It's not like anybody, like an employee hand delivering cash or anything like that. Um, That's different. I I do agree with that. But I do think that there is an onus on the university and essentially almost all situations when it comes to something like this, especially if they're high profile people, to try your best to to make sure that that, I guess, doesn't happen. Um, And that's, that's the question that I think... Liz looking into is did USC try its best? And, and to be honest, I don't know. I, um, I, I can't say that one one way or another. Um, but I, I, I think that's really what the university has to do is that, that you've got to make an effort to try to weed this out. You can't just turn and I you can't you can't just say, well, you know, it's off campus. It's an agent, not a booster. No, they're not affiliated with us. And wash your hands of it. I don't think that's the right attitude. Okay, did I, mean, I answer that right? No, I think it makes sense, and uh, but I, I do see what Scott's point is, and I agree with it. I mean, I mean, a lot of what he's saying, it is different. You know, when you it, the the old, it's a different kind of cheating, I guess you could say. Not saying that USC is cheating or whatever, but the, you know, it, it's different when you have boosters and people trying to help out the program. I mean, when if a booster pays a player, he's trying to help the program. He's not necessarily trying to help the player. When an agent pays a player or pays a player's family, he's trying to help himself. Like there's nothing really yeah. in it for USC. So I think that's, I mean, that's the point. And, and it does make sense. But now that that's going on, and especially now that USC knows about it, I think they have to step up their enforcement and, the, and police themselves more, um, you know, especially with this investigation hanging over your heads. 
now you have to be aware of that. And I think they've taken steps to try to remedy that. I mean, every time you go to practice, people have to like sign in and say what they do. I mean, they want to know, they want to identify potential agents, potential runners that are coming to practice. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think they're trying to do stuff, but you know, obviously, you know, that, 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 you know, but I can kind of agree with Scott's point to a certain degree. I think you make a good point, Ryan, about, um, and it's a point that I guess, I don't know if I necessarily thought about it or didn't understand was it, you're right. You know, when you are a booster, you are trying to, to help the program versus, you know, when you're an agent, you're trying to help yourself. The, I guess the only, the only thing I would say to that is I, I do think that there's an onus to know your situation, to know, you know what I mean? Like these problems aren't happening probably in Minnesota or, or okay, maybe not as widespread at a school like Minnesota or, you know, Boston College or, um, you know what I mean? I mean, this is L.A. I mean, there are, you throw, you go out on the street and you throw a stone, you'll hit an agent probably <laughs> somewhere. You know what I mean? You, like, hope, you, you hope to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll, yeah. if you're lucky, you'll hit an agent. Um, and uh, actually, I take that back. I'm, I'm looking for representation. So oh, okay. I, love, right. I love agents, Ryan. Um, but right. No, but you, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you yeah. have to know your situation, and I do feel that that there's, you know, USC's done at least, it seems like now that they've done a good job of trying to keep that element out of practice and, and, and away from the program. I mean, it's a tough task, you know, when you're open to the public like that. I mean, you know, if someone wants to get in, I, I feel like you get in. Right. I mean, they could obviously lie about what they do and stuff, but they're, they're yeah. certainly taking steps. So, but we, you know, it's a good point, Scott, and I'm not sure why it hasn't talked, to, you know, at least brought up more, but uh, thanks for that. Uh, this one's a little bit easier. Kevin wants to know, is Patrick Hall eligible to practice? Um, I think so. Um, I don't know so. Um, so it wasn't any easier. Um, he was at practice <laughs> yesterday. Um, you know, he didn't have a helmet or anything like that. Um, we asked, um, actually, I asked Pete Carroll that exact question after practice because Pete kind of talked about how he's able to be here, but he's not necessarily 100% cleared through the clearinghouse. It's going to take a little time. Okay, so then my question was, well, can you practice? And Pete's like, I think so, but check with me. Check with me later. Okay. So, so we'll see. Um, I, you know, that's probably a, a question best answered later today. Um, I, I, the re- there's a specific reason why I didn't report anything like that. Pete said that is because he said that before. So I don't know. Um, if I were guessing, if you were going to practice today, I would say no. All right, but he's out there wearing the number 25 jersey. And if you don't know, he's the five-star athlete. He's on that, campus. Yeah, he's on campus. He's he's showing up to practice. But so far, he has not participated. And, and it seems like Pete Carroll's a little unsure if he can or not. He thinks he can, but we'll see. He could be at practice today, so we'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, Dan, t- today's the uh, best practice day of the year because it's move-in day for all the USC freshmen. So parking is slammed. So it'll be it'll be a fun day at practice. So oh, uh, enjoy that. Yeah. So I might, I might take the day off and uh, let you cover everything today. So <laughs> it's good to be Thanks. the boss. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question from, <laughs> from David. Uh, he's talking about Frankie Telford, and he's been following the story since uh, Dan. You actually broke this story about a month ago. And uh, he knows that the scholarship will be honored. And the LA Times reported that he was a student coach. I actually talked to coach Norton. And he, he talked about that the first day of fall camp with me, he was really open about it, but he wanted to know what role Frankie really has with the team. Like, what does it mean to be a student coach? And, and was Carol talking about what was Carol talking about? His press conference was saying, he's not giving up hope and neither is Frankie. Is there a chance he could still play? Um, but you know, he was, he also commented that Mr. Telford has a good solid path in front of him. This is the kind of story that makes me realize why I'm a fan not just a football, but of USC fight on. So that's what yeah. David was saying. Just maybe kind of clarify what's going on there. I haven't seen him out there the kind of the way he was the first couple of days of fall camp, no. like being a coach on the field. Yeah, no, um, that, it's definitely worth noting that he hasn't been out there. Um, I, I, I don't know why. Um, <clears throat> the thing that I think a student coach would do, obviously, um, is I, I think in general it's kind of almost a token um, kind of kind of award where it's something where, you know, we want to help this guy, we want to keep him close to the program, here's a way we can do it. I think in Telford's case, I actually do think he could help the team because they have so many young linebackers and he's so smart with defense and stuff like that. Sometimes it's easier to hear something coming from a player than 
than it is from a coach. So, so I do think that that would be an advantage. Um, as to, I guess, kind of his giving up hope and stuff like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that he'll ever play football again, and I don't think that they really expect him to. Um, that itch will always be there for him, and that's what's sad. Probably the saddest part of the story is that he'll probably never get to scratch that. But, um, you know, I think that was kind of the idea was that maybe by him being close to the program that it could satisfy that. It might have done the opposite. It might have made the itch even stronger. And maybe that's why he hasn't been out there. I don't know. I'll look into it. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. And there, there might be some stupid NCAA rule where if he's on, you know, he might not even be allowed. Who knows? We'll have to find out exactly. Whoa, 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 Ryan. The NCAA has stupid rules? <laughs> no. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll find out more about that. But he definitely seemed into it. He's a guy that could help. If it's not on the practice field, I think he can help in the meeting rooms and he can help, you know, just in around the dorms with the players and stuff. So he'll he'll definitely be a contributor. Just we'll have to find out exactly to what extent he's allowed to. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, how much he wants to. If, if it really is painful for him to be around, uh, you know, it might be harder to be there. So uh, I can't imagine that's easy. Um, no. You know, you know I, I just I just got to think that that's tough to be at every day. And watch, I, you know, I would think that the one thing that's going through his mind is, you know, why did this happen to me? Why can't I play football? Right. So I think that'd be difficult. All right. Next one is from uh, Chris. It's on uh, Moody McNeil, the running back. He seems like the quick, elusive running backs and quarterbacks that have played against USC and have given USC a hard time in the past. And why not apply that very principle to our opponent and, and use McNeil in that way? Do you think he'd be used in a sort of consistent basis as a running back or not really get to the field because of the depth chart, maybe special teams. Uh, he's really liked the way he's looked this summer. And this was the one thing that, that I thought would have helped USC could have given him a national championship last year. Moody McNeil. Do you know why Dan scout team scout team? He could have played Jacquez Rogers when they played against Oregon state, but he was not, you know, he wasn't out there yet. He wasn't able to be out there. So he came into camp late and everything. Having him on the scout team, it would have been a good mimic for Jacquez Rogers. So I've always said that. But uh, maybe get your thoughts on Curtis. You know, um, I don't think that he's going to be a massive part of the offense as of right now just because of the numbers. Um, Joe McKnight, Alan Bradford have both looked really, really good. And, and, um, you know, when it comes to quick elusive running backs, I mean, Joe McKnight is Joe McKnight. Um, I do think that he will get a lot of looks um, in kind of the second half of games. And, and he'll get a chance to maybe to maybe play his way into a rotation where he can get some spot carries. I don't think it'll be consistent, though. Um, you know, it'll be hard at any point in time, really, for him to be in every down back just because of his size and, you know, and, and the way he gets banged up. Um, he, he might in some ways almost be too tough for his own good because, you know, he, he banged up his shoulder pretty bad. He's in a sling one day. He's out trying to practice the next. The next day after that, he's playing in a scrimmage, and then you know he's taking carries in practice yesterday, getting knocked around and stuff like that. And you know, it's just every time he'd get up, you know, you could see the pain on his face, but he'd just get back up and get right back in there. And I mean, you love that about him, but you know, at the same time, I, I was thinking to myself, you know, Moody, it, it'd probably be better if he just took a couple plays off and got healthy and played full speed, you know. And, and that, as of right now, I mean, Gable, Stefan. You know, Joe and Bradford are all ahead of you. Mark Tyler is probably ahead of you on the depth chart. I mean, you're different, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to you don't want to hurt yourself now and not be able to help the team. You know, if they do decide to to use you later, special teams is interesting. Um, I think I think that there's a spot for him. I just again with the numbers, you know, I, 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 who do you sit down in the return game? You know, do you, do you sit down Rojo or C.J. Gable on kick returns or? Do you sit down Stephon Jackson, Joe McKnight, Damian Williams, and punt returns? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's tough, you know? It's a numbers game. All right. Uh, this is from Terrian. But I like Moody. Moody's good. Yeah, yeah. He's great. He's, he's fun to watch. Um, from Terrian, he wanted to describe the intensity level between practices where you have shoulder pads versus full pads. And, uh, you know, is there tackling in both sessions and are the scrimmage even at a higher intensity level? Um, yeah, it is. The scrimmage is the highest um, by far. Um, full pads is, um, I believe, what they do then is they can cut block, I think. They can go low with full pads. They don't do that in shorts. Um, 
I, I, you know, it's hard to tell because they all look so intense anyway. That in full pads, you know, you might see some more tackling in that uh, in the full pads practice, but they hit in shells. I mean, they do. Um, you know, they're big hits all the time when they're just in shoulder pads. Uh, I, I just think in full pads too, they might finish tackles more. I think that's probably the biggest difference. Yeah, I think finishing is probably the big thing there. But there'll be blocks and there will be, you know, selective, a little more selective hitting and stuff. But once you have any kind of pads on. They are banging around a little bit more and everything. Probably so. the biggest hit of the year um, to date was, um, uh, I believe, was I think it? it was Aaron Corp was rolling out to his right. Um, it might have been Matt Barkley. And, and he's rolling to his right, and Kevin Green is in pursuit. And out of nowhere, Jeff Byers comes back and just clocks him from the yeah. side and just sends him flying. Um, that was in shells. Yeah, that, <laughs> was, yeah, that wasn't full pads. It was... Uh, it was pretty funny that because I, I I don't remember if it was Corp or Barkley, but he had rolled left originally and had reversed his direction and came back the other way. So Byers was on the right side, so Green was running from the offensive left to the offensive right. Byers was coming the opposite way, and Green was you know staring at the quarterback. Didn't see Byers coming up, boom, and just got knocked on his ass. It was, oh, he got lit up. Yeah, he got lit up. It was great. So that was the you know eighth year senior getting the true freshman uh, on that one. So. Uh, all right, so this one is from JD. Has Tyron Smith clearly looked better than Butch Lewis at tackle in fall practices so far? Um, I wouldn't say clearly. Um, I, I just get the feeling that the coaching staff really wants to start Tyron Smith, um, that they like Butch's versatility with the second line, um, and I think they're going to play eight to ten guys anyway. Um, that's something that Pat Rule said to me yesterday. Um so, yeah, I, I don't think it's clear. I, I do think that maybe this is a a thing where they think Tyron's ready to start and, and they, li- they love his athleticism. I know that, and they love his size. So, you know, maybe this is a situation where they want to start him now and have him be that veteran presence on the line once you start to lose guys like Byers, O'Dowd, um, you know, Parsons, Howell, I mean, Charles Brown. I mean, those are a bunch of, those are a bunch of veterans. And so maybe it's good to break in a younger guy with that group um, you know, I, Butch Lewis has had a really good camp, though, and, and he's a guy who will probably be the first guy in at either tackle spot and potentially even at guard, um, probably the second guy in at guard. So he'll, he'll get a lot of playing time this year, and, and he'll definitely have a chance to win, to win a number one job. Um, I just think as of right now, they really want to give Tyron Smith the, the most extended look at the position. All right, and then there's the last one. This is from Guy, and if you know him, he can be a little verbose, so I'll have to pare this down a little bit. But it's basically about the uh, the walk-ons that Carroll gets. And, uh, and he's he's uh, stating that it seems like they get some pretty high-profile walk-ons that don't have much. But, you know, there's not a lot of fanfare behind them. And the fans might not even realize it at first. I mean, I guess like a, you know, a guy like Clay Matthews was a walk-on and ended up being, you know, a high NFL draft pick. Um, he, he just wanted to know, is this a kind of a unique situation? Do earlier USC coaches do this or... Uh, you know, to other coaches across the country. And it's, it seems unique how Carroll will reward these guys and give them a scholarship, uh, sometimes as early as the second year of, of their you know time at USC. Is that something that you see happen other places besides USC? Uh, I'm sure it probably happens at a handful of, of places. Um, if, if you're kind of a, a I don't want to say middle of the road college uh, high school football player, but a guy who might have some offers, um, you know, to some mid major schools or something like that, but you have a dream of playing Pac-10 football and you have the dream to play at USC, um, and you decide to walk on. That's how you get really good football players to walk on. Um, you got to kind of have that aura and that mystique as a school where people want to play there more than they more than they would that they're that they're willing to pay to play there and that they're willing to to kind of take their lumps as a walk-on versus going, you know, on a scholarship to San Jose State or something like that. Um, you know, no, no, no offense to the Spartans. Um, and then, you know, I don't like, I don't think it necessarily happens at, you know, a place like Mississippi State or, or something like that, but it probably happens at LSU. Um, it probably happens some at Florida and Alabama and, and kind of those flagship schools in college football um, where, um, you know, uh, Florida State, Miami, um, places where if you're a kid and you're growing up and, and, and you're, you know, a big Knowles fan or a big Bulldogs fan of Georgia or something like that, and you've got the opportunity to maybe go to a smaller school, but really it's been your dream to go to that school and, and to play there, 
that, that maybe you take your chances as a walk-on. And I do think that if you perform at, at these schools, um, that they do award you with the scholarship. I know that was something that when I was at Ole Miss with Coach Orgeron that they had, they had awarded a number of scholarships to walk-ons over time. I mean, you, you have them whether you use them or not, you know? It's right. like <laughs> the, you, you, you're not, you know, it doesn't like Pete Carroll doesn't get a, a, a $40,000 bonus if he only <laughs> went with 86 scholarships instead of 87, you know? So I think it behooves them to give them out, and, and they kind of use them as carrots to dangle in front of those walk-ons and to say, you know, you know, you bust your butt. You got a chance to do this. You, we're not afraid to play you if you're ready, if you're willing to play. I mean, look, we've done it before. Um, so I, I mean, you can get really good performance out of those guys. I think in camp so far, um, Ahmad Mokhtar is a great example of a walk-on who, who's who's played very well, and is a guy who looks like he is, you know, in position to to maybe at some point in time help this football team. Um, look at the kickers. You know, yeah. those are. I mean, Joe Houston and uh, Jordan Congdon are both walk-ons. Yeah, Congdon was a. I mean, he started at Nebraska. You know, I mean, so he was a Division One major college player and decided to leave and walk on at USC. So I mean, it, you see it happen. John Manugan was a. I mean, he could have went to a lot of Ivy League schools and stuff, and he decided, you know, I'd rather like. You, I think you see guys like that. They could play at a smaller school. And I'd rather just walk on at USC and just you know be a backup and play and have fun just. Because of the, be a part the, of it, yeah. you know? I think that's like, I mean, and that's what I was talking about, that kind of aura and that mystique where, you know, no matter what happens to John Manoogian in 30 years, you know, he can talk about, you know, the years that he's been on the USC football team. He can talk about playing with great players like Taylor Mays and, and stuff like that, you know? I mean, I mean, that's something that he wouldn't get if he went to Dartmouth or something like that. Sure, yeah. I it's, mean, seriously, Ivy League? Come on, Manoogian. <laughs> Who are you kidding? And there's guys. I think like a Curtis Boyer probably could have went to some some bigger schools and stuff. Curtis and, Boyer? How about Robbie? I'm Boyer? sorry, Robbie Boyer. I, I, I've done that so many times. And uh, in the first segment, uh, Coach Harvey Hyde said uh, Sam Bradford instead of Alan Bradford. And he's done that before. He had an old running back named Sam Bradford. It wasn't. The, he's not talking about the the quarterback. And then I have a good friend, Curtis Boyer, who's on the side a lot. <laughs> I've said that number of times. Nice, but Robbie nice. Boyer, you know, who went to modern day high school and stuff. So another example of guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys like that. Um, yeah. And it's nice to see, you know, and, and when you see them, it's rare when you see them become like a first round draft pick, you know, but it does that, happen. Yeah, as well. that happens less times than 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 it does. Yeah, uh, that's but, pretty infrequent. But I, like I said, I mean, it's nice that they have that kind of pedigree because then, you know, you can talk to people and you can say, you know, come here as a walk on. You know, if, if you're good enough, we'll give you a scholarship and you'll play. Sort of like what they can say with Matt Castle right now, too, where it's, you know what, if you're a backup and you're good enough, we'll still get you in the league. Yeah. And, and the, the challenging thing, and it's it, and until USC was as good as they've been under Carroll, they haven't had the, the same kind of walk-on success because it's a private university that costs a lot of money. I mean, Nebraska used to have, I don't even think they ever had a scholarship fullback. They would just get all these you know country kids that came in and wanted to walk on. They'd get all these people that wanted to walk on the team. And boom, and you would have you know all your fullbacks you needed. Uh, it was it's a little harder for to do that at USC because of the private tuition and stuff. So mm-hmm. the fact that Carroll's been able to be successful has made that program a lot more successful. Yeah, you just look around the team. I, I feel like there are a lot of former walk-ons that have elevated themselves to scholarship status. A guy like Nick Garrett, you know, is on scholarship. He he had walked on, I believe. Um, did Adam Goodman walk on? Goodman was yeah, I believe he. I think when he transferred you know, in, he walked on, and then he he earned a scholarship. Yeah, so I mean, like, there are players all over the place that are on the depth chart that, you know, Nick Garrett might add BS to contribute a lot this year, you know, um, depending on whether or not Luther Brown comes back. So, yeah, I mean, there's a chance, you know, you come in, you walk on, you work hard, you know, there, there's a chance that you, you could see the field, you know, and, and I think it's just a matter of taking advantage of, of the, the coaching and taking advantage of the, the, the situations, you know, once you get them. Sweet. All right. Well, Dan, thanks. So we got a bunch of questions there. Uh, hopefully that Keep answers- coming. I know. Keep them coming. We love that. We're getting every week. We seem to get more and more questions. So good stuff. And uh, I'll see you out there on the practice field. Maybe not today. <laughs> oh, suck it up. Come on. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. We will talk to you next week. All right. Later on. All right. Everyone else, quick break. We're going to answer your recruiting questions with Gerard Martinez. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. 
Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some recruiting in this segment. We have uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez on the phone. Thanks for joining us, Gerard. Thanks for having me as usual. All right, no problem. We've got some questions to get to. And the, the first question, uh, some of the new, it goes along with some of the news that uh, came out today. Uh, his question is from Assad. He wanted to know if USC has a chance of getting Robert Woods, Kyle Prater, and Kenny Stills as wide receivers, and what are their chances with them? And obviously, on the first name, the chances are pretty good. The chances are pretty good. Robert Woods uh, is a Trojan. Uh, he committed to Pete Carroll at the scrimmage actually Monday night uh, in the locker room, and uh, they had a conversation and. I guess, you know, he showed up with his USC sweatshirt, uh, which was smart because it was cool that night. Evidently, it was supposedly 72 degrees, but all of us on the field were freezing. <laughs> uh, so he, he, he planned ahead and he had a nice uh, SC sweatshirt on and, and decided, you know, watching uh, really, you know, Devon Flournoy, uh, the performance that Devon Flournoy had in the scrimmage, interestingly, uh, I, I think was something that really, it really played, you know, big with Robert Woods because, a lot of people are in his ear saying, you go to USC, you're not going to be able to play as a true freshman. You're going to have to sit on the bench. And Robert knows uh, Devon Flournoy uh, from uh, kind of the past and, and, you know, kind of running track together. And so, you know, he sees a guy like Devon be able to go into USC and make an impact and have a great scrimmage uh, like he did Monday night. Uh, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, I had been hearing for a while that Robert was really, really leaning hard towards USC. I mean, after the Dion Bailey, Jesse Scroggins commitment, uh, two other guys that uh, Robert Woods is very close with, um, you know, those guys had kind of said uh, throughout, you know, Robert, Robert's going to be a Trojan. I mean, that's that's going to happen. So, you know, we're kind of waiting. And you just never um, – sometimes, you know, kids are going to uh, say things to other kids and, and there's a lot of pressure and you just, you know, you're never 100% sure on how things are going to play out. Uh, but uh, in this case, no, I think he went down to the scrimmage, and like I said, you know, the Buffalo owner's performance was really big, and he just decided, you know what, I, I want to be a Trojan. He he wanted us to kind of wait on the announcement. Uh, he said, you know, he's going to wait, you know, several weeks. He was talking about maybe doing the announcement on his bye week, uh, which uh, was coming up, I think, right before the Taft game, actually. And um, But, you know, the, the news got out today, and so, uh, you know, it's official that uh, Robert Woods is a Trojan, five-star receiver. And, uh, yeah, so you can, you can check him on the list. Uh, he is a uh, good chance <laughs> at this point that, that, uh, that they'll get his uh, commitment and, and uh, you know, follow through with it. Obviously, it's not signing day, and things can still happen. Uh, Kyle Prater is the other name that popped up there, the other five-star receiver high on USC's board. Um, you know, USC has a really good shot with him as well. Uh, they uh, had an unofficial visit with him. Uh, a few weeks ago, came down and, and watched uh, one of the their first uh, fall practices, actually. And uh, interestingly enough, it was on a Monday, too, if I recall. And he loved it. I mean, he just really, really loved the situation at USC. Uh, USC's got five um, junior receivers at this point. And so the, the, the depth chart is really stacked uh, with the upperclassmen. And he feels like he's really capable of coming in and, and making an impact early, but really, you know, long-term having a lot of opportunities to, to play at USC. And, and he likes the system. He likes the offense, obviously. You know, Matt Barkley had a really good day that day, and, and I think the future with the passing game for USC is really bright, and he saw that as well. So, uh, you know, I, I'd say that USC definitely in the driver's seat with that one. He's talking about maybe making a commitment. September 2nd is the date that he threw out on us. Um, but we'll see, you know, kind of what happens here. And, uh, you know, Robert Woods and, and Kyle Prater, that's a pretty good start uh, to, to, the, to the Trojans, you know, really kind of getting that passing game uh, re, re-energized here for future, for future additions, I guess. All right. Uh, cool. Thanks, Assad, for that one. Yeah, some good news for Trojan fans out there. Uh, next question. There's actually three questions. We'll kind of roll them all into one. Uh, they're all about uh, DJ Morgan and uh, Kevin, David, and Brandon all had similar type of questions on DJ. He is the running back commit to USC that ended up going to visit uh, Arizona State. 
And most of the questions kind of revolve around, do you think he's going to decommit and go to Arizona State? And um, there's, you know, one of the one of the guys was a little upset saying that, uh, you know, if anything happens to DJ, USC would still honor his scholarship at this point because of that verbal commitment. But, you know, why doesn't USC kind of give a wake up call to players that that check out other schools and, and, and decommit them? But so there's a bunch of things there. I guess first we can start off of, of what do you think the situation is about decommitting? It's uh, it's a complicated situation. Um, you know, DJ went in, and uh, he and his older brother Josh uh, unofficially visited Arizona State last weekend. And Arizona State kind of, I mean, they've they pretty much told uh, Josh Morgan, his older brother, who's older by about four years, um, but had been at uh, Pasadena City College and did not play uh, or is not going to play this this upcoming year. Um, he's going to actually take a red shirt. Uh, that uh, they were willing to take both the brothers um, to try to get DJ Morgan. Now, you know, DJ also said that they were, you know, that, that Josh was able to kind of get a scholarship offer from Arizona State himself, but they would uh, for sure offer his brother if DJ uh, committed to Arizona State. So, you know, DJ said that, you know, basically this is his dream, you need to play with his brother, and it's a really big thing for him. He didn't guarantee that he would decommit from USC if uh, his brother was, was offered a scholarship uh, from Arizona State. But obviously it kind of it comes off, you know, like that he's shopping his brother around a little bit, you know, trying to get him a scholarship offer somewhere. And I think that's kind of why Trojan fans feel like um, – I don't know if I, I would say, um, I don't know, it, it just it just has, it has a real AAU feel to it. It kind of is like uh, high school basketball a little bit, where people are making deals and it's like, hey, if you do this, I'll do this kind of thing. And, I, you know, USC, I don't think, going to jump in line. I think USC, for the most part, it, it, unless Josh Morgan himself um, is good enough and has the grades and, and they feel like, you know, he could definitely be an impact player on the team, I don't think they're going to be necessarily, you know, pushed to, to make a scholarship offer. Um, but I think that's kind of where the, the anger is because Trojan fans feel they're between a rock and a hard place here. You know, you, do you risk losing DJ Morgan uh, to Arizona State uh, if you don't offer his brother? Um, but do you offer his brother, and maybe his brother's just not to the level uh, of, of a, you know, a USC-type uh, recruit. So that's, that's kind of where it's going. Um, you know, a lot of people want to know – Will he decommit? You know, what are the chances he decommits? I think he's legitimately – there's a good possibility, I think, with, with Arizona State, if, if they do come in and offer his brother, that he's going to go through a period where he may say that he is not committed to USC anymore. I think there's a possibility that that happens um, just because you think he's going to have to take a step back. And, you know, Arizona State – and this is what I mean by shopping around – Arizona State's not the only school – that he's looking at with this. I mean, he's also looking to, you know, any school that wants to offer both DJ and Josh, DJ kind of said, Hey, you know, um, you know, we're open to it, you know, Miami, LSU. So it wasn't one of these things where it was like, Hey, you know, ASU is going to be the school if they offer my brothers, basically any school that, that offers them both may have a chance because that's what, you know, DJ wants to play with his brother. And it's this whole dream that I guess they've been having for a while to be able to hook up together because being four years older, they never played together in high school. Uh, Josh actually graduated from Crespi high school or DJ's at Taft now. Um, so, you know, the, the, the possibility of a decommitment, I don't know if I would say, well, maybe saying good would be getting ahead of the, you know, the, the, the wave here. I would say that there's a possibility that he may decommit at some point, but not necessarily that he won't end up signing with USC. I think there's still probably a, a better chance than not that he ends up signing with USC. But there's definitely going to be some twists and turns with this thing. It just seems like, you know, DJ has already kind of admitted to being open to that. And so, you know, at some point, you know, that, that may happen. Okay, and then just to be clear, uh, right now all the commitments are verbal. Uh, there's nothing signed. I mean, there, you, until you sign the letter of intent in February, there's nothing that's binding. So, I mean, play, you know, schools can stop recruiting players. Players can, re, you know, commit, commit, commit. It doesn't matter. USC's not on the hook or whatever, as uh, one of the questions was suggesting, that he's, uh, you know, he's going to get a full ride no matter what. Until he signs a letter of intent, there's no scholarship there. Um, right, so just, exactly. Just it works clear. both ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it's USC's 
not binded to DJ Morgan, and DJ Morgan's not binded to USC. Verbal scholarship is, uh, you know, a verbal scholarship offer, and, and the commitment is verbal uh, the same. So, yeah, it works both ways. Okay. And then the last one, we have a question from West, I think is the new uh, new person that emails, email us, email us in a question. Excuse me. Thanks for the question, West. Um, talk about the linebackers. It seems like it's a thin year for linebackers in the class of 2010, and you know, USC struggled last year a little bit at that position. I mean, they got some good guys, but obviously some big-name decommitments. Jeff Luke, he feels, is unlikely to leave Florida. Gallipo's back has been a problem in the middle. What is USC's plan of attack for a 2010 and 2011 linebacker class? Well, Luke is still, you know, on the radar. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be one of those years where they have to pluck a guy from out of state, um, it, which is kind of similar with the receiver position. You know, I think in terms of, to, to really make the class full and, and, and the successful class, uh, you do want to get one of those guys, cherry pick one of those top guys from out of state. Um, you know, with the receiver position, it, at one point it kind of looked like, oh, you know, is USC really going to be able to grab one of these guys from Florida? Are they going to be able to grab Prater? Well, you know, now it seems like it's a possibility. Right now with the linebacker position, it's kind of what it was with the receiver position just a few months ago. Um, there's a lot of guys out there. And it seems they're all national, and it seems they're all we're very far away. Um, and there's really no feel for, you know, what does USC have really a better shot at this kid than that kid? Mainly because none of these guys have visited. Now, the, that's kind of maybe the most the concerning part, if you're the Trojan fan, uh, is, you know, when guys come out and unofficially visit, you get some kind of feel like, okay, this kid's coming out on his own dime, unofficially, meaning that he has to pay for the trip. So he's coming across country. Uh, to, to, to see the program, talk to the coaches. That means he's kind of going out of his way. He's being proactive in seeing USC. And none of the national linebackers at this point have done so. So it's really going to be all kind of put on an official visit. So you've got Jordan Hicks. Uh, you've got Christian Jones. You've got uh, Kyrie Fort. Uh, you've got, you know, a few players there, in addition to obviously Jeff Luke, um, that – that's going to be kind of the pool, and it isn't a big pool of guys, but it is the pool that's you know kind of very talented at the top, and then there's kind of a big gap there, um, you know, once you start to get down to the fifth, sixth guy, and so you know those those are the guys they're going to go after, and it just seems like at this point they only really want to get one guy. It's it's probably going to be one guy that you're going. To, I mean, they they take more than one guy, obviously. They could get you know multiple guys out of that list, but I think you know it kind of seems to be just finding that one guy who's really, you know, willing to leave home and they feel can make an impact and, and bringing him in an official visit and just wowing him probably later in the year and that being the guy that they try to get. So is it putting your eggs in one basket? Not not literally, but I think in terms of what they really want to get out of it, yeah, it's just the one out-of-state guy I think they're kind of focused on and, uh, you know, whoever that becomes as, as the visits come along. And, and just, you know, looking closer to home and trying to find, I think, a guy that maybe is a, a little more of an off-the-radar guy to kind of come in and complete something with maybe a, a Hayes Pullard. Um, you're also going to have, you know, Ronald Powell's going to have a, a, maybe the ability to play a linebacker. He's going to play middle linebacker this season for Rancho Verde High School. He's a 6'3", 6'4", 225-pound defensive end, uh, five-star guy that's been dominant everywhere we've seen him. He played linebacker at the Rising Stars camp. At this point, USC still recruiting him as a defensive end. They're not. They haven't changed that. Really, not even talking really as an athlete at this point. They're still talking defensive end, but that can change down the line as they see him his senior year and evaluate him as a linebacker with pads on. Um, so you know, that's a guy that maybe he could come in and, and play some defensive end. You know, maybe there's other guys down there that that are committed to other schools as well that are local that could pop up and USC watches them. You know, their senior year and, and maybe decides, hey, you know, what? we need to go off to this guy again, or maybe we didn't go after this guy in the spring, and now we need to show him some love, and you never know what's going to happen with that. So that kind of that kind of seems to be, at this point, you know, the plan of attack. All right. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, Wes, thank you for that question. And Gerard, thanks for answering everybody's questions. Uh, it's always That's good all happening. the questions? That's it. That was all for the questions wow. this week. Uh, the DJ Morgan thing is very convoluted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, could, we could spend... We could spend hours talking about that thing, and, and you know, I, I would say read the story on the site. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be providing more background as this thing goes along, but it definitely seems like uh, a little bit of a roller coaster. I can already foresee it. It just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm apprehensive <laughs> about saying too much about what's going to happen because I can already tell it's going to get interesting and and.
you know, and but for the most part, I think you know Trojan fans, especially on the message boards and whatnot. You know, just you need to be patient with these things. These are kids, and you know, sometimes uh, everybody gets emotionally involved in these things, and they really don't need to. It's it's one of those deals where you know, it's. Uh, I mean, DJ Morgan still committed to USC. He said the only way he would decommit from USC is if uh, he had a chance to play with his brother. Uh, but again, didn't necessarily guarantee it. So you know, people just need to chill out and. Let the process play through. All right. Buckle your seatbelts. It'll be an interesting one. Uh, keep following it on USCfootball.com. But thanks again, Gerard, and we'll talk to you next week. No problem. I'll talk to you next week, guys. Uh, all right. Everyone else, thank you for tuning in. Thanks to uh, Coach Harry Hyde and Dan Weike for joining us, talking about the team. We will talk to you again next week for another edition of the Parastyle Podcast. <laughs>